0: Welcome to Women in la Frontera. My name is Brenda Nettles-Rogas. On this podcast, I am joined by Ofelia de los Santos and Lydia Pesina as we continue our conversation on listening and share how we each came to know Jesus Christ in our lives. We shared in our first episode that we each have different roles. And beyond our roles in the diocese, we are mothers, grandmothers, and so many other roles as women in the church. So thank you, ladies, for joining us again. Well,
1: thank well, you for having us. us. Well, I
0: know that we're all excited about uh, the, the podcast and seeing where it's going to take us. And and we will have, you know, other women's voices on the program as well. But I thought it was important to to continue that conversation about listening, even giving others, you know, some ideas of how we incorporate it into our lives, but also how we listen to the Lord and how we've built our own relationships uh, with the Lord. So I don't know if one of you
1: would like to start. We'd like to, for this program to be spontaneous. So we open it up. Well, one of the things that I thought about, Brenda, because in the last time that we spoke and we talked about listening and you were reminding us how listening to each other, but listening to God and listening to the voice of God is such a crucial part in each of our lives. And one of the things that came to my mind is how important it is that we remember that God's voice speaks to us at every stage of our life and how God's, uh, I think children have a special capacity to be open to God's voice. I, I mentioned a little bit last time about how I came from a Catholic Methodist family and my Catholic grandmother would take me to CCD. And when I was getting ready to, to celebrate my first communion, I thought it was like the most important thing in the whole world. I told the teachers at my school, I was so excited because it was super, super special. And I thought about it this week because my, my grandson, Elian, will be celebrating his first communion very soon. So I think it's, you know, how I feel like it was being open to the Spirit of God to leading me in whatever direction he had for me. I love being able to to be privy to both my mother's Methodist faith and to my Catholic faith, but this is where he was leading me. And I think about it a whole lot right now as a grandmother, because I think we live in a world where there is so much sound and uh, around us that I uh, my hat's off to young families who have to maneuver all the technology that our children are are. Always, that's always such a part of their life. It's not anything bad, but how do we limit that? How do we assist our children and grandchildren to have enough time for quiet? Whether it's just playing outside, you know, I think that's something that maybe I know I took for granted growing up. That we we, we live near a school, we'd go play in the playground or whatever, and and that you have time to reflect and to think about nature and about things around you. Where I think you know, it's a special uh, challenge I think for young families today. And the children are very open to the Spirit of God. Very. That's, that
0: That is so true. And I, I, such a beautiful story because, again, we, we are such a consumer society and we're consuming data, um, whether it's on our phones, whether it's on in the car, whether it's, I mean, we're just always taking it in. But as you mentioned, that time to s- sit and reflect and beautiful that it's children who remind us um, and sometimes we have to return to, to our own childhood and think about we did have a little extra time and made a little more time to to, just to sit and listen and hopefully we do that the same for our children or our grandchildren.
2: Right. I think uh, as a grandmother I, I agree with, with Lydia wholeheartedly that we care so much about our grandkids. Not that we didn't about our own children, but there's something about that phase of our lives when we're young mothers and we're working most of us in, in our generation In any case, are going to school and trying to further that that we didn't spend enough time. At least that's how it seems to me. And from talking to other people, they they've gone through the same thing. But as a grandmother, you have even more of a need to be there for your grandchildren because you know that your daughters are trying to do their best, but it's not always enough. And it really does take a village, right? So the other day, I had my grandson come over for the weekend, the youngest one because he's ten. The oldest one is twenty-five. I have seven. (laughs) And the little one still looks for Nana. I'm called Nana by by my grandchildren. And he came over, and I had taken him to Mass with me. It was a Saturday, and he was particularly attentive to what the priest was saying, because I sit right in the front, right? My husband says, any closer and you'll be at the altar. (laughs) But he says to me, Nana when am I going to know what my mission is? So he had really listened. This was the the gospel about uh, Jesus asking Peter, do you love me three times? And that he was uh, about to send him on on his mission. And priest had mentioned that. I didn't even know he was listening. And I said, well, it took me by surprise, right? And so right away, it's like, Holy Spirit, take over. And I said, well, mijito, first of all, right now, you have to stay in school, do the best you can, and you're doing that. and, And follow your parents' guidelines. Do everything you can to be a good good boy. And in time, God will show you, Jesus will show you what your mission is. But I have no idea. And I'm so curious. I just hope that I'm here 20 more years so I can see what your mission is. He goes, oh, Nana, you've lived a long life already. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I just started laughing because out of their mouths, you know. In other words, I can't dictate how long I have. I would love to see that, right? So I kind of offered that as a prayer to God. But I thought, how special that a child, a grandchild of mine would ask me, what is my mission, Nana? He's the first. He's the first. Not that I haven't discussed it with the older ones, because I have an older one that even discerned uh, the priesthood. But it was just so special. And I thought to myself, if I can lay groundwork for this little one, you know, maybe uh, I'll work my way to heaven from
1: purgatory. And and the prayers of grandparents, I think, are I mean, I think about my own Catholic grandmother. I often because I go to the basilica several times a week mm-hmm. being here at the pastoral center. Mm-hmm. And it's a very special place for me. And I remember coming with my grandparents, um, with my Catholic grandparents, because we only lived about a mile and a half from here. And I remember how special that was. And I, it occurred to me one day that I was at the basilica. My mission in life, you know, if, I, if I'm correct in how I see it, you know, that the Lord has led me to a ministry to families and to... Uh, married couples, engaged couples was probably through a great deal through the purse of my grandmother, because she used to tell me, you're going to do something special. But I, you know, I have no way of knowing. And for me, it is special, not because of me, but because I have the opportunity to facilitate, in a sense, a lot of volunteers whose beautiful ministry is who touches the lives of engaged couples and married couples and and families. And so to be kind of a, a a conduit, you know, which is our role, because like, I'm just little me. But, you know, if we allow the spirit to work through us to touch the lives of other people.
0: We each have a role to play and multiple mm -hmm. roles. But again, so much to take in. I, I really liked what you were saying about the listening, how children are listening, and they're listening to what we say, and they're also listening or witnessing our actions as well. And going back to Lida what you were saying about the prayers of Grandmother Bishop is always saying que las oraciones de una abuelita son lo máximo.
2: Personal experience for him. Exactly. I had a grandmother that influenced me a lot. My grandmother was different, though. She wasn't particularly church-going. I think she grew up in the church in Mexico when, you know, the churches were closed and it was kind of a persecution by the government, but she had her altarcito in a certain room in the house and always fascinated me. It was a corner cupboard right? Mm -hmm. You've seen them with a glass, like a triangle, and then every santo that she could crammed in there. (laughs) La Virgen, Sagrado Corazón, San Juditas, whatever, right? And it was fascinating me because she had a lot of memories in there. And I would ask her from time to time. I never saw her really like kneeling down and praying, but I knew that anyone who had an altar at home had to pray, right? And so my grandmother taught me more than anything, not exactly how to pray, but how to live your life in prayer. She was one of the first foster parents in Edinburgh, Texas, way back in the day before we had uh, foster parenting the way we do today. And it was a foster parenting for juveniles, for kids that had gotten in trouble uh, in somehow or another truancy or a pregnant teenager back then was a big deal. And so the parents would like disown them and then they'd end out in the street and get in trouble and then they were looking for foster mothers to take them in. So I remember that grandmother, we would go every Sunday. And one Sunday I went over there and there was a pregnant young girl. Oh my gosh, it was so exciting. I was like 10 or 11 and had never seen a pregnant girl before. i seen pregnant mothers, older people. And so I wanted the whole story. And I was trying to get grandma to tell us and she wouldn't. So finally, we went around and started talking to the girl and she spilled the beans, right? And I was so amazed that my grandmother cared enough for a strange girl to bring her into her home. And I think that was the seed planted in me for caring for especially kids in trouble. And later on, you know, that led to my going to law school and then later on to jail ministry here in the diocese. I look back at it now and it's so clear. But at the time, you're just you're just a little kid fascinated, fascinated with the world and with things that you don't talk about out loud, right? Well, we, we did. We got to know stuff like that real right. early on.
0: So it's interesting how our grandmothers played a big role. Um, my grandmothers were a little more Distant, but my mother was definitely one of my first catechists and was my definitely my first introduction to building a relationship with Christ. Um, I know that we've each, you know, Lydia, you shared how you came to the faith. Um, Ophelia, tell us a little bit about how you came to know Christ even deeper.
2: I think um, I first knew Christ when I was a teenager because, you know, you're involved in cate- catechism. And CYO at the time was big when I was like, you know, 14 or 15. But when I really came to know Christ was really through his mother, Mother Mary. And I brought a little replica of Our Lady of Guadalupe that I keep in my office because it's very special to me. It's from the Red Mass Committee that I help organize every year. And Virgen de Guadalupe for me was a suffering mother. At the time that I came to her, because I was a suffering mother, and instinctively, not because anyone taught me this, later on I found out, hey, this is the way it happens. I came to her in prayer asking for help with my son, who was acting out erratically, drinking a lot, getting into trouble with the law, and we didn't know what was going on. My husband's attitude was more like, "Ah, it's a phase, he'll get through it. But instinctively, I knew something was wrong. And I just didn't know what. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit acts in you. So I go to the Blessed Mother one day in, in terrible pain and anguish for my son um, because I wasn't able to find help for him because I couldn't find a psychiatrist that could diagnose whatever it was. And I just knelt in front of her image that I had at my home at the time. I was retired from the law practice because I did. I just left the law because my son was in trouble. And I thought, what good is it that I'm helping everybody else in my son's going under. And my husband at the time said, just stay home and do what you need to do. And I'm a very hands-on mother. And so I went to her and I said, I said, blessed mother. And I spoke in Spanish because a la Virgen de Guadalupe se le habla en español. <laughs> Virgencita Santa, le dije, eh, tú sabes lo que es sufrir como una madre. Tú sufriste con tu, hi- con tu hijo inmenso, inmensamente. Entonces yo te pido que si tú vas a tu hijo y le pides ayuda para mi hijo, Yo te prometo de que de este momento yo te serviré a tus hijos en donde quiera que estén. And I was crying. And I just, the, the the prayer just came, and all I can tell you is it was this, her spouse, the Holy Spirit. And I felt so much better after I did that, not knowing what was going to happen, but I was just a cry of anguish. So then, you know, it's a it, long story short, it led me to coming to scripture classes at the Basilica, coming to Mass every day at Holy Family Church in Edinburgh, praying the rosary every day with a, a group of very faithful uh, little old ladies, and now I'm one of them. <laughs> and, and it just, it led me to. To the peace that I feel today, even when my son goes through his ups and downs. And, and I just I just wonder uh, how the Blessed Mother found me that day and immediately responded, because within days, my son was willing to go to yet another doctor, or try another medication for his bipolar depression, which which, which she was suffering. And I'm not going to say that he's healed, because he's not. Uh, we have our ups and downs, but now it's like she's walking with me and she's leading me to Jesus. All of a sudden, one night recently, I'm praying my prayers, and I'm not praying to her. I'm not asking her for help. I'm going straight to Jesus. And I realized, how did that happen?
0: Well, Through Mary to Jesus. Yes, that's yeah. how
2: I came to a deeper and more profound understanding of Jesus, my Savior. I went to uh, try to save my son. I went to them to try to save my son. And first, they saved me. They brought me to a real conversion, uh, a real understanding of what my mission was. When my grandson asked me what his mission was, I was like, oh, my God, it took me so long. I was over 50. I was 50-some when I finally realized. So it doesn't matter when it happens. It just matters that it
0: does happen to those of us who turn our lives over. And it (laughs) seems, again being in that state of listening to the lord and sometimes it takes something major in our lives bring to us lis- to our knees to, and to listen more closely because when things are are fine we're not looking for the doctor uh-huh. and, and and i think
1: that's probably one of one of the things i thought about very very profoundly is that it is in the times of crisis, the times of hardship, that somehow not only are our minds, but our hearts are more open, open. to to listening, to receiving. And it can be it can manifest itself in so many ways. I know as a, a as a young couple, we were not able to have children. And that was huge for me. Because I think many of us women, and this is women in La Frontera, I mean, some of the things that are most, is that we have the desire to give life physically. And yet, I think about a lot of things we see in retrospect. We were, we didn't have any children for 11 years, and then we adopted our daughter. And it's such a gift. I mean, I really can't, you know, put into words how, in retrospect, then we see the grace of God of all the things that happened because of that. Mm -hmm. And so, and I remember when I had surgery and, and I then I discovered that I would not be able to have children, I was crying. And my husband is man a few words. And he said, you know, he didn't say anything for a little bit. And he says, you know, if we say that we believe in God the way we say we do, because I was crying, he says, what do we have to worry about? And I mean, my tears just kind of like just stopped mm-hmm. because it, it's so true. But at that moment, it was huge.
2: You recognize the truth when you heard
1: Exactly. It. And also that of course, at the time you don't see what's coming ahead. It's only in retrospect that we can see the grace of God at every second and how the the beauty of what happens there. We're you know we're very blessed with our daughter with, now with two grandsons. And be careful what we ask God for. I, I'd always ask God that I be privy to a birth since I never gave birth. And as both of you know, well, I love uh, the story. My, you need to my, share, my, it, yes, please. <laughs> but my my daughter unexpectedly gave birth to our first grandson in our home and in our bed. Oh my! And so. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and so and I know nothing about childbirth since I never but it was one of the most beautiful experiences of of my life because um you know we thought okay it's the beginning of of labor but it wasn't I mean she was like and she happened to be gone to our bathroom so it was like a towel on the bed, and you know, ten minutes. Oh this my. this this baby's in my hands. In fact, my my name on the birth certificate. It says attendant, a D, whatever, whatever, other grandmother. You know, so. But it was it was, and I thought later. I always ask God that I be privy to a birth, and
2: so you became a midwife.
1: I did. <laughs>
0: Wonderful. So, and
1: I, I know that I month that. when I wrote the column, I told Brenda, "I don't know it's appropriate or not, but this is the only thing I can think about right now. This is my column." I think it, it was the, the miracle of life.
0: The miracle of life, and I think um, it's the Holy Father. I keep, I keep returning to uh, the joy of the Gospel, Evangelii Gaudium, that Pope is, Pope Francis provided us a few years ago, in that there is so much joy in our lives when we listen to the Lord when we are paying attention to each encounter and when we can also now witness to that. I know that uh, you all, again, you've shared some incredible stories. How do you witness your faith now um, after all these varied experiences, you know, some, some of crisis and
1: so many of joy? Well, I, I hope that, I guess my hope is that the witnessing comes through listening, and through patience. Because I think, you know, we started since the last podcast that you have on listening, and it is not an easy thing to do. And I think when I reflect at the end of my day of what transpired, I know that you know, when it's like we're too busy or have too many, that, that's when, when at least I can say that's when I fail, you know, because I haven't listened. So hopefully when I listen to the people around me, whether it's my own immediate, and especially my own immediate family, because sometimes that's the most challenging uh, because of the people we love the most, the people we live with and life is messy and, you know, it's sacred, but messy. And it's, it's the listening and, and hopefully through patience because because it is and, and I hope that that I can can do that in my many roles or at least strive to because that's what Jesus I believe asks us. he he te- Jesus teaches us self-emptying love and 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 the love that we, I mean what we see portrayed is you know love means what are you going to do for me or what makes me happy but we've always known that that Christianity is is you know it's the opposite of that it is it is it, Jesus teaches us you live for the other it's like i to do the loving thing when we feel like it and most especially when we don't feel like it with every single situation in our life.
0: And I think that was that's a key that I'm still struggling with, a, the patience and in every moment and in every of our lives. Well,
1: I can say I struggle with it. I mean, we struggle with it, but I think when we're aware of it, you know, we could continue to ask for the grace to be able to to do that better. And when we fail, you know, it's like I tell my grandson, you know, all of us fall, but then it's like start over, start over again. Again, again. And again, again, again. and And
2: again. 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 (laughs) again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just try to be there when I receive prayer requests or calls. I still get calls from people that knew me when I was an attorney. And they're asking about what to do in a divorce situation or a transfer of title situation or a family dispute when someone dies. You know, all the common things that families deal with. And I never say, I'm retired, sorry, I can't. I always say, when I was practicing, this was the law. I'm gonna tell you what I think, but then you need to consult with an attorney. Or I will even call an attorney that I go to today and, and say, I'm referring someone over to you especially when it's something like, um, just recently I had a a young woman call me and say, well, my mother says that I need to talk to you, but, uh, you know, I I don't want to do anything about this. My boyfriend was kind of inappropriate and my mother thinks I need to report it and I'm like, "Come come over right now. Because one thing I did do during my practice was I try to protect young women because they are so naive sometimes and so sheltered that they don't know what to do in a situation that might turn more than just abusive. And Having had a daughter that went through an abusive uh, relationship, I'm always like, you know, on guard against that. And so I will go out of my way. I will meet with them. I will make time because that's so important to me. That's, That's one thing that I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I can definitely attest to that you are both ladies and I think we all try to be people who put people first. That is that is definitely an That's all God way. wants us to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, can you believe ladies that we are running no, out of time already? No. But I haven't finished. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Uh, Nunca terminamos. So <laughs> yeah. Um but as we share our stories what's one cuz we're all we're again I said I I'm the first to say I'm always struggling um I you know I take 3 steps forward and then you know yeah. 10 back it seems like what's one concrete action that we can that you can undertake each, um to strengthen your own prayer life and and listen better to the Lord
2: I try not to let one single day pass without praying the rosary when I do because I for whatever reason I've skipped it I know it the next day, and then I try to make up for it. But it gets to be such an ingrained habit that you actually feel guilty. Like, mm-hmm. And Mother Mary doesn't expect us, you know, she knows how busy we are, but it's ourselves. You have to expect that of yourself. If you can pray the rosary every day, that's one concrete action that says, that reminds you you're not alone, mm-hmm. no matter
0: what happens. I can, I can tell in my reaction to things in the day. Um, when I stop and think, and I've had like, you know, maybe a rough week, it's mm-hmm. like, I didn't pray enough, you know. I, I didn't make that a priority. Mm-hmm. So that's still something that, that's um,
1: yes. crucial, that in the Eucharist. And the rosary is so powerful. Many mornings, not every morning, Maori and I walk in the morning at 5.15. And on the way back, we pray the rosary together. And that's where we, we voice intentions for different people, yes. the couples coming to our different retreats with a training program or uh, an engaged retreat, whatever it happens to be. And it, and it And when I don't, when we don't walk, Last year, I was praying the rosary in um, uh, Portuguese and this year in Italian, you know, just with an audio. So on the way to work, I pray it because it helps me be more intentional with the words. And it's been a good thing for me because, but I, 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 you know, the intercession of our Blessed Mother, you know, and us as mothers, like you said, we, I mean, everybody relates to the Blessed Mother, but how we relate to that because we know that our different roles, like you said as a wife, for, for us that are that are married, as a mother, as a grandmother, is such a powerful role. And But I think, like you said, as far as what we can do, I know for me personally, one thing I still want to do better at being still. I love the Psalm, Psalm 4610. It says, Be still and know, and know that, that I, I am, am God. God. And it's something I struggle with, but something that I yearn for. Yes.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, we'll be sure to be posting the questions so that Others can join us in this. And thinking about these questions is, how did you come to know Jesus? How do you follow Jesus Christ in your daily life? And how do you think you're being called to serve the Lord? And another question that we'll leave our listeners with is, how do you witness to others through your actions? Um, good questions, and thank you so much for for sharing some of your stories. Is there a frontera tip you'd like to uh, share with <laughs> with others? I I'll I'll start with sharing. I know it came out a few years ago, but I think it's every time I revisit it. If you see my copy, it, it has different colors and different, indicating different times that I've read it and reread it. The Joy of the Gospel by Pope Francis, his Evangelii Gaudium, his apostolic, one of his first apostolic. Uh, letters, So I, I recommend uh, that
1: as some reading. And I would say for me, the tip is not my tip. It's just one to pass along. And that's Bishop Flores that always tells us to to read a little bit of the gospel every every day in the sense that uh, one time I was getting ready to write a column and I was going to call it, uh, You Are What You Eat and You Are What You Think. And then I went to a confirmation mass, and Bishop's homily was on that. And he says, well, people say you are what you eat and you are what you think. He says, but you're not what you eat, or would be a chorizo a taco from stripes. Is what he, says. <laughs> <laughs> he says, but you are what you think, and we need to make a little bit of space for the words of Jesus. So we incorporated that into our family, and since my daughter's with us right now, our our nine year old grandson, which just a little, just two verses from this, the the gospels every day doesn't have to be a conversation or anything. Just because the words do stay with us, and so that would be my my. The Word
2: of God is power. Jesus is the Word. So I agree. I use my Magnificat, and then I also have the Word Among Us, because I, I'm familiar with them through the ministry to the jails, and it really, really feeds me. Even if I don't have time to meditate on it, I've read the Word of God. It has power. It's in me, and it's going to help me.
0: Well, it's been a real joy ladies um always and i look forward to future conversations um we we do plan to have uh, other women join us on the program but i know that you will both be back uh, that'll be a (laughs) food thank you for joining us today on women in la frontera until next time let's go and use the gifts god has given us to set the world on fire with god's love and grace amen amen